to the extent that is the American Bar Association Business Law Section's podcast series. Our podcasts provide general information. They aren't a substitute for legal advice from a licensed professional. We offer both standalone and serial podcasts on a variety of topics and welcome your feedback and suggestions at ababusinesslaw.americanbar.org. We hope you enjoy your selection. This is Rick Paschett, and I am the content guy for the ABA's business law section, and I welcome you to our section's podcast platform to the extent that. Judge Strong is a U.S. bankruptcy judge in the Eastern District of New York, sitting in Brooklyn, and I will let Judge Strong introduce our guest. Rick, thank you so much. It's my privilege to be your moderator today as we hear about big law business lawyers and how they make a difference in their pro bono work. We are so fortunate today to have two fantastic lawyers from the Fenwick firm, Hillary Atkinson and Eric Ball, not to tell us so much about their business law lives, though that would be very interesting, but to tell us about their pro bono work and how that fits in and makes them better, I suspect we will hear, at everything they do, not only in their pro bono work, but also in work for their clients. So uh, good morning, good afternoon, good evening to our listeners and the same to our guests. So where I'd like to begin, I think, is to hear a little bit about your practice from your firm's perspective. Eric, let's hear from you. Thank you, Judge Stong. Um, yeah, so I've been a litigator for about 17 years here at Fenwick and West, born and raised at Fenwick. Uh, we represent tech and life science companies. And, you know, many of our clients are those small startups, and we support and grow them into the leading companies that you know so well today. Uh, I One of my specialties is trademark litigation, and that's what I do a lot of. I, I like to say I protect the most personal important asset of a company which is their name you know their brand without your name who are you and you know i have a strong copyright and and general commercial practice as well but what i like both most about my practice is i represent both plaintiffs and defendants and that keeps you very nimble and lets you come up with the creative arguments because you know where each side is going to go it also helps cut through you know, any animosity with opposing counsel because you often know what they're thinking and what they're going through. So I, I appreciate that part of my practice. And it, I think I, it delves well into the pro bono aspects that I know we're going to talk about how you get to kind of broaden your outside of your natural sphere and you're doing something that maybe is unusual to you. And it's not just a one size fits all type of case. You know, it, it's such an interesting perspective. My own experience, not only in practice, but now, of course, as a judge, has been that really the more seats at the table in which you feel comfortable, the more effective you're going to be in in whatever seat you find yourself in for your client. Um, Hillary, same question. Tell us a little bit about you and your, your Fenwick life. Um, over to you. Thank you, Judge. So I um, have been a pro bono professional, um, administering pro bono programs at large firms since um, 1999 and moved over to Fenwick with some colleagues that were here um, about six, six years ago or so. 
And my role is now um, pro bono counsel, and I also oversee the CSR programs, the corporate social responsibility programs, which is the community service and the charitable giving. And um, that at the end of last year, we also launched a nonprofit, the Fenwick Community Fund, um, as a way to harness um, our collective giving at Fenwick. So um, it's been, you know, an incredible journey with a lot of amazing colleagues that are really dedicated to giving back in all sorts of ways. Tell me what you like best about it. Oh, that's a tough one. I I really, really like connecting people in ways and to what they are most passionate about. So making it as easy as possible to assist others, whether that be through, you know, community service, charitable giving, or Pro bono. I mean, pro bono tends to be my passion because I've done it the longest. And so to be able to connect our lawyers, um, even our paralegals um, to pro bono work and providing access to justice to those who need it most is just really heartening and inspiring to me. If I can jump in there, Your Honor, that Hillary and her team are so supportive and helpful on that exact thing is finding us those cases and to make sure that we've got the resources and the legal expertise, expertise to succeed in those cases. So, you know, it might not be something that is a classic tech or life science case. And so she'll find us somebody at the ACLU or somebody that, you know, is out there leading that charge on those types of cases that we can partner with and work with and making sure that we give our clients the top tier service that they need. You know, those kinds of partnerships are so fundamental to making this kind of thing work well. Uh, Hillary, I know you've done this kind of work for more than two decades. What sort of changes have you seen over that time period and how firms that are, to be candid, principally known for their business law expertise, how have you seen this evolve in that setting in your two decades plus of working on this area? Oh, wow. Well, when I started, you know, it, there, I've seen the professionalization of the pro bono practice in law firms, really. I mean, it's been an amazing growth over the past two decades in just the commitment and structure and um, the ability you know, of firms to really, you know, assist in the legal services organizations who are the experts in these areas um, has just really grown substantially. And that's been the commitment of the firms and also, you know, the willingness of the legal services to assist us to help others, right? Um, you know, finding ways where we, the non-experts, can plug in to expand the, the work that they're doing. You know, I was so interested to learn that when you first began practice, you practiced employment law. I think of that as a very people-focused area, whether you're representing employers or employees, how did that kind of focus help as you migrated into the world of helping business lawyers do pro bono work? Um, I think that it was, you know, I didn't practice employment, uh, you know, this job, when this job came available, I knew this job was meant for me. So I, I jumped quickly over to the pro bono side. But in the employment practice, you know, I was really focused on, um, civil rights issues. And I think so that there was a very smooth transition into the pro bono work that I was doing. And in particular, working with clients who, you know, may not have the same access or um, ability to access and navigate the legal system translated directly into the pro bono work as well. 
So Eric, I see that your clients include names we know like Peloton and Uber and Coinbase. How in the world did a rock star trademark IP litigator come into pro bono work? Tell me how that happened. Well, first, I appreciate those very kind words. Um, I'm, I'm glowing over here. But pro bono and service in general has always been important to me. I was you know, thinking about going back to my Boy Scout days I mean, and watching even my kids now in Scouts. That's, you know, a critical thing that we try to teach them and I know was important for me. And so in law school, I really love the clinics. Uh, you know, Hillary talking about, you know, employment law clinics is something that, that I really appreciated in law school. And then helping, you know, LGBTQ individuals, um, you know, and their rights in law school. So when I got to Fenwick, it was just a natural opportunity and thing to continue. I always like to think about my first week as a as a barred lawyer, I represented an individual in court uh, seeking to restructure the child support payments. She was seeking to get an increase in her in the child support payments for her for her kid. And as a you know a son of a single parent growing up, that was a really important case for me. And I got sworn in early just so I could go and and lead that hearing and. It was great that Fenwick gave me that opportunity early on. So, I mean, my first case in in, in life as a as a lawyer started as pro bono, and it's been a cornerstone of my practice ever since. So, so Eric, I want to follow up on that. I think sometimes younger lawyers, especially even law students, may be concerned and and not willing to say it out loud that if they express an interest in pro bono in not only helping the big, fancy, paying clients of their firm, but also using their skills and their talents and their their head and their heart to help real people with problems who will probably couldn't, wouldn't know how to find a lawyer, never mind be able to afford one. Do you think a young lawyer needs to be worried about expressing an interest in that as well as in business law as they're entering into the practice? No. I mean, <laughs> it, the, the, you just got to do it. And, and don't be afraid of following what you know is right. And, you know, most firms and the ABA and a lot of other places have almost a, you know, a, a request or a mandate that you support and give back. And no one's going to shortchange you for giving back to the community. We're all, as lawyers, very privileged, and I'm thankful for that. And I, and I think people should be encouraged and awarded, you know, for, for giving back to their community for all that the legal community has given all of us. So, so yeah, I, I definitely, you know, think that we should, should further, you know, any junior attorney doing pro bono. And I agree with that. And it's such a great experience for whether you're a summer associate or a fall associate at a big firm or just a junior attorney in general to get involved. Like it gives you the opportunity to have direct client contact, to develop skills that are going to be critical for your practice going forward. And, and it's just an amazing way to make a real difference to somebody's life. So I'll be that hypothetical law student summer associate, first or second year associate, maybe coming off a clerkship. And here's the question that I, I would ask you maybe at my first day lunch or maybe we're on a waiting for a flight that's been delayed. 
do you really, really think I can depend on the fact that the firm will not think I'm less serious about business law if I'm passionate about, for example, Eric, I know an interest of yours, gender equality. Um, how, can I, how can I be sure of that? I worked awfully hard to be a lawyer and to get a job at this great firm, and I, 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 I don't want to hurt that. I mean, for 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 my perspective, I hope I I I show my belief that 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 you won't be looked at a, as a lesser lawyer by the fact that I'm doing that pro bono myself. You know that I'm I'm encouraging others to do it. Um, for you know, lead by example kind of kind of starter. But it also you know at Fenwick we encourage even our associates to come up with their own pro bono projects. Not not just to have Hillary, um, you know. To design all the programs, but if, if there is something that you like in the community that you see a need for, we have a whole pro bono committee that that reviews those and says, well, yes, that is something that we think is is a pro bono service. So we give those opportunity to take that entrepreneurial spirit and go out and lead your own um, pro bono project. So I think that gives a, an extra angle to the associate that says, like, look, we're, we're asking you to kind of take charge of your own career and and do that. It also just, it's a, as Hillary said, it's a great way to learn new skills and build those skills. Maybe you won't get a deposition quickly in the, you know, billion dollar case, but you can in a, in a pro bono case. And you can take those opportunities to get in front of a judge much more quicker in a pro bono case than, than in the billion dollar bet the company litigation. My first second circuit argument was in a pro bono case. The firm was appointed by, uh, by the court of appeals. I I'm, familiar with that dynamic. Um, Hillary, what would you add? Oh, I would just add that, you know, meet, encourage the younger associates to meet and the new associates to meet with the pro bono professional at the firm. And they will be, I think they will feel better about the fact that firms support it, right? I mean, firms get publicity for their pro bono cases. Most firms are committed to giving a certain percentage of their billable hours to pro bono work. And there is a benefit for the firms to do the pro bono work as well. You know, a lot of us are doing now partnerships with our corporate clients too to help, you know, us, you know, build those relationships and, and encourage our, you know, business clients to get involved in pro bono too. So there's definitely, you know, I, I think there's there's definitely benefits for the firm above and beyond business benefits, I should say, above and beyond, you know, all the reasons we know we should be doing pro bono work. And I would add that I, you know, I meet with every new associate that comes in, our team does. And, that, uh, you know, I always say all of our initiatives that we do, I mean, Fenwick is very responsive to, you know, the um, things that are happening in the world and all of our, um, you know, initiatives and programs are are formed because of attorney interest, right? And so our attorneys come to us and say, we want to get involved in, you know, racial justice initiatives or respond, COVID response or what's happening with Afghanistan or Ukraine or reproductive rights, you know, and then we develop programming around those issues. So there's just ways to have more involvement than just getting involved in a single case. You can actually help navigate the whole, create the whole pro bono program at places too. So staying with that thought, uh, your pro bono counsel at Fenwick, what advice or tips would you give to a firm that's thinking about establishing a pro bono counsel role in their firm? Absolutely do it. 
I don't know how any firms can manage pro bono without, without the role and people behind it to help administer the program. From building the relationships to legal services organizations, to vetting the clients that you want to take, to making sure they're aligned with, um, you know, for management's beliefs on what you should be doing, to getting all the benefits that you possibly can out of doing pro bono work as well. As a practical matter, does this work even at an in-house legal department? What do you think? Pro bono work or the uh, pro bono council uh, role? Pro bono council, pro bono. Oh, it'd be wonderful if in-house council had, uh, you know, if in-house legal departments had pro bono council. I don't know of very many that do, but I mean, I would encourage that too. It's absolutely wonderful. Hillary, I just add some, some of these, uh, some of the in-house legal departments are, are, are so large that they're they're mid-sized law firms in and of themselves. So I think those are good opportunities to start having pro bono counsel at, at some of those larger companies. And they've got some of the needs and some of the same opportunities to be sure that their attorneys are satisfied and engaged and getting boots on the ground, practical experience and and feeling that they're still you know, addressing the kinds of things that maybe made them want to be a lawyer in the first place. You know, so so much can be done so effectively, and certainly courtroom lawyers know this, uh, from, from, from stories, from narratives. Um, Eric, is there a story that really stands out, a person, a result, a, a resolution, uh, when you think about your pro bono cases or those of your colleagues? Tell, tell us a good story. Yeah, uh, well, I just... I'm particularly proud of the of, of the team's recent, you know, success in a, what we call the administrative fees case. Our our litigation working with the ACLU of Northern California, Bay Legal, and our great partners at Lawyers Committee uh, for Civil Rights SF. You know, our litigation was a catalyst for wiping out over five hundred million dollars in debt for Californians in this past year. So that's five hundred million dollars more back into people's pockets and. This was this was an interesting case because we were going we were suing the courts themselves the 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 county courts and the judicial council of California for for uh, you know alleged unconstitutional practices and conflict of interest on how they were funding the courts instead where their funds were coming off of fines of of relating to traffic infractions and with our litigation and the political pressure the governor and the legislator wiped out all that past debt they dropped the fines from $300 to $100. They fixed how they were implementing some of those fines. We think there's still work to do because we think the fine should be gone altogether and we're, we're still working on that. But it's been such an, an, an amazing experience, you know, working with the courts as a, the, the defendant uh, on them, but also working with them to, to help, you know, address these issues, you know, working with the, the Chief Justice of California's office, Judicial Council and the county courts been a really interesting experience for myself and I think all the associates on the team and working with all of our partners too. Like I said, with ACLU, Bay Legal and Lawyers Committee, it's been so amazing to, 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 to interact with them and learn from them and how they run all their cases on, uh, of, this, of this type. So $500 million <laughs> literally gave me chills. A creative approach, simultaneously assertive and collaborative, it sounds like. You say one of the best parts was working with the courts. I'll say the claim sounds sounds novel, creative. Let me ask yeah. you this. Does this kind of pro bono experience, do you think it makes you a better business lawyer? Do you think it makes your colleagues better business lawyers? A hundred percent. I mean, 
because like I said at the beginning, it, it provides you those new and different opportunities, gets you out of your comfort zone, makes you just more creative that you can take back to your classic business and IP and tech um, practices. You know, it, it, if, if you're only doing one type of litigation day in and day out, I think you, your arguments can get a little stale. And I, I think, you know, energizing yourself by doing something a little different, I, I think is a really great way to become the best lawyer that you can be. So maybe that's a way to think about it, when, whether it's the corner office partner or the first year or summer associate. If the question is, do you want to be the best business lawyer you can be, then, then reach out and take a pro bono case. Um, I like that. Any advice? Any advice, Eric? What would you? What would you? Yeah, like? yeah. My, my, mine again is, you know, would answer to one of your earlier questions. Just do it. Don't be afraid. Do the pro bono, and it it it'll, it'll amaze you, like you know, how much joy you get out of it. I, I know some people are afraid, not because they think maybe the the, the firm will, will look differently on them, but they're like, I don't know how to do that type of law. That's not the law I normally do. But just there is support for you there. There's, there's the individuals like Hillary and her team who are, and there's other, other uh, organizations like the ACLU or Lawyers Committee of Civil Rights that were there to help you and make you be the best lawyer that you can be. And so that's the thing I say the most, don't be afraid and just do it. Don't be afraid and just do it. I think we have a title for our podcast, Hillary, anything to add? You get the last word. I would add just figure out where your passion is. It's an opportunity to do what you're passionate about that you might not be able to do in your ordinary business pra practice and, and go with that. And to follow up on Eric, just do it. Dive in. What's the worst thing that happens? You, you, you change the world for your clients. Maybe you'll even, maybe you'll even change $500 million worth of the world, but I'll say this from someone who sees people who aren't represented and people who get a lawyer as they try to navigate a legal process. It's even if it's not officially $500 million, it feels like it's that much to your client. Thank you for all you do. Thank you for all that you are going to do. Thank you for permitting the business law section to honor you. And, um, and, and don't be afraid, just do it. What a pleasure to hear those words. Thank you both. Thank you, Your Honor. Thank you. Thank you for listening to the ABA Business Law Section's podcast series, To the Extent That. The section offers a robust collection of content. To explore more about this topic, or to learn about joining the section, visit ambar.org slash bizlaw. That's B-I-Z-L-A-W.